0: This podcast is for general, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. If you go through a residency and a a GI fellowship, you know how to be around people and you know how to talk to people and you know how to manage people. But then being in charge of all those people and making sure that they're healthy, they're insured. You know, they everyone gets their Christmas bonus. These are these are important things that um, I, I don't know necessarily that it is the responsibility of a GI fellowship to teach these things, but I think it would be great if there was part of training that was devoted to, like you were saying, the practice management side.
1: This is Gastro Broadcast presented by GastroLogix, the only group purchasing organization in the U.S. working strictly on behalf of independent gastroenterologists. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Matthew, and today we'll be talking to Dr. Ashley Evans about Digestive Health Clinic in Boise, Idaho, and a very interesting model they have to develop leadership in their practice. Let's get started. Dr. Evans, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, we're going to dive right in. I know our listeners um, are in for a treat today, Uh, but before we go more into uh, some depth into your practice structure, uh, give us some background. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Did you always want to be a
0: gastroenterologist? Good question. Uh, No, actually, Lisa, you might not know this about me, but when I started in medical school, I was 100% completely sure that I was going to be a neurologist. And uh, so, you know, it's interesting because they talk about this thing these days called the Fauci effect, right? So we think Fauci is driving uh, med school admissions up and um, everyone wants to be a doctor. Well, when I was young, it was the Aunt Paula effect. So I had this Aunt Paula, my favorite aunt, and she was a neurologist and she was all the things, right? She had the clothes, the jewelry. And I just thought, I'm definitely going to be Aunt Paula, So I got to medical school and realized my third year when I did a neurology rotation that everyone had a headache or a terrible disease that you couldn't really treat. So then I did a GI rotation and realized this is much better. I can actually fix things in this this field. So that's how I ended up in GI. I I share your love of plumbing and (laughs) not
1: electricity. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And tell us a little bit more about how you ultimately decided to go into private practice.
0: I don't know about you, Lisa, but I really thought I was going to stay in academics. And I loved academics. I loved the idea of academics. But I just didn't like the reality of academics. So I love taking care of people and I love interacting with patients. I don't love writing grants. And when it came down to it, it was a quality of life decision for me. So I wanted to do the things that I love doing, which is taking care of patients. But I also wanted to be able to control my schedule, control my lifestyle, and be able to, at the end of the day, come home and see my kids and leave leave the rest of it at work. So that's how I ended up in private practice.
1: And, you know, people might think that private practices are managed quite similarly, But the Digestive Health Clinic has a very innovative way of developing leadership. Tell us more about your model.
0: I I think so. I think that's a great way to describe it as uh, innovative. So we are like most private practice groups. We typically start new physicians on an employment contract. And at the Digestive Health Clinic, it's a two-year employed contract where um, a new physician joining the group is an associate on a salary. And then after two years of employment, they are given the opportunity to become a partner. And I think what makes a Digestive Health Clinic relatively unique is that even as an associate, um, incoming physicians are treated as uh, partners with, um, with the privileges at all of the board meetings. Um, so they attend all the board meetings from the very first day that they start uh, they have a voice at the board meetings. And um, once they become a partner, actually one of the first things that we have them do is uh, they take on a significant leadership role as the president of the group. And I realize that this is probably very different than most groups um, bring uh, new partners in. Um, but there's lots of great reasons why we do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I find this entirely fascinating. Um, I can't imagine joining a practice and within two years being expected to assume the role of president. I'd love to hear more about how this was conveyed to you when you were uh, looking at the position and how you were supported in in assuming this role very early in your career.
0: Well, I think that when I joined the group, I I didn't know that I would be the the president <laughs> on day one of, <laughs> of my partnership, um, you know, it didn't seem like uh, like something that was a big deal to the other partners. Um, and then when they told me, I was actually really surprised. I thought, wait a minute, why would you want me to be the president? I'm the person with the least amount of insight and the least amount of experience. Um, so it was a surprise, but I also felt like it was a huge privilege. So uh, when when I, when I started as the president, uh, one of the first things that I did was have a weekly meeting with uh, our business administrator, and this was an amazing way to get to know really the inner workings of the business side of the group. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges to private practice when we are in residency and fellowship, we don't learn anything about how to run a business. And then you get out into the real world and all of a sudden you realize you're a small business owner and we have no training on how to do that. So right away from the first day of your presidency, you are meeting with the business administrator. You are learning the inner workings of the group and the business model. And beyond that, I think that you, the, the, What's even more important than just learning the business model is that you have a voice, you have a leadership role. You're not just sitting in the meetings and listening to the older partners talk. You have the ability as a junior partner to actually direct and steer the direction of the group. And it's very empowering. And I think a lot of groups really rely on the older partners to make the decisions. But by having a younger partner sitting at the head of the table, it really gives the younger partners a lot of confidence that they are an important member of the group. And for those two years, one could even say the most important partner in the group.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it, it really does force you to um, engage in a way that uh, many other practice models don't promote. Um, And I can see that that's been really formative in your experience and in your career to date. How did this model develop? What's the history behind it?
0: Well, I'll be honest, I don't know for sure when they began having the junior partners step into the presidency role, but I know that it's been longstanding. Our group has been around for almost 40 years, and it started off with one gastroenterologist added a partner and then eventually a third, and we're now uh, up to 12 physicians. And as long as uh, I've been here, that's how we have done it, obviously. Um, And I would suspect that it's probably for the majority of the group. I I think that the founding member really felt like all all of the partners should be treated equally. We don't have a structure where the older physicians really sit at the top and and dictate what, what happens to the rest of the group, I really feel like. Everybody has a vote, everybody has an equal vote. And uh, this is one of the ways I think that we really try to show that is by having younger physicians in leadership roles within the group. And
1: now that you're past your term as president, uh, how does it feel to be on the other side as you watch junior um, partners assume that leadership
0: role? It's good and bad. It's good in that it's really nice to not have that responsibility anymore with all of the extra meetings and, you know, signing a thousand pieces of paper every week, but I am a self-proclaimed control freak. And so giving up the reins to someone else to make all those decisions is a little bit difficult. And, you know, you always think, well, I would have done this differently. But that's kind of the point, right, is that you give someone else the opportunity to spread their wings and do things their own way. So I'm curious to know if if you feel that your practice model
1: has any direct implications in how you um,
0: approach patient care. I do. I think... That by using this model where everyone, all of the partners have an equal say, even the junior partners, it gets passed down to all levels of our practice. And so there's no cherry picking. There's no difference in which doctors get which patients or which insurance plans. It's very equal, even, and fair. And so I think that that practice model and that leadership model um, really uh, affects the way that we move forward as a group including with patient care.
1: Switching gears a little bit, um, tell me, what do you see are some of the most important trends affecting private practice today?
0: I, uh, I will tell you that uh, my current role in the group is uh, as the recruitment director. So I'm in charge of recruiting new physicians into the group. And it has become very difficult to recruit physicians who are trained in ERCP and EUS. I'm not sure if you're finding that same thing in your group, but uh, the trend these days is that there are not very many programs training their gastroenterology fellows within the three years to do ERCP and EUS. And so it really is requiring a fourth year to get those skills. And so those uh, physicians are becoming fewer and far between, which means that we are really having to change the way that we structure our call group, because uh, there has to be essentially now be two physicians on at any given time, one who does general GI call and one who does therapeutics call. So that has, I see that as a trend where uh, where groups are going to have to make some changes in their call structure. You guys may have already done that in Denver. Uh, we are just now coming to that reality because for the last 40 years, everyone in the group has had ERCP skills. So it's just within the last two to three years we've had to make that change. What are your
1: your thoughts on the trends of graduating fellows seeking positions in private practice?
0: So I, I think it would be nice for graduating GI fellows to understand that there are ways to make your job as a private practice gastroenterologist more academic. And that you can have a taste of academics in the private practice world. Um, so, for example, I take uh, every opportunity that I'm given to speak at local conferences. I feel like that really helps me stay on top of subject matter. Um, I feel like I definitely understand a topic when I'm when I'm forced to teach it to someone else. And I also um, have a a formal medical student rotation through our private practice clinic, which really, again, keeps me up to date, keeps me involved in the academic community and allows me to have a a toe still in academics. Do you feel that a lack
1: of understanding of practice administration or um, comfort level with running a small business also poses a barrier uh, to fellows seeking positions in private practice?
0: I wouldn't have thought that as a third-year fellow when I was leaving. I, I probably figured to myself, well, it's gastroenterology. Gastroenterology is gastroenterology, right? But of course, as as you and I both know, once you get out into private practice, it's a very different world. I think that one of the hardest things about being in private practice and managing a small business is not so much the financial aspect, but it's really the HR aspect, right? It's the being uh, an employer and having, in in our case, 150 employees. It's a big responsibility. And the biggest job, at least in our group, of being the president is really managing the people. So in that sense, I feel like I was prepared because... Uh, if you go through a residency and a, G, and a GI fellowship, you know how to be around people and you know how to talk to people and you know how to manage people. But then being in charge of all those people and making sure that they're healthy, they're insured, you know, they, everyone gets their Christmas bonus. These are these are important things that um, I, I don't know necessarily that it is the responsibility of a GI fellowship to teach these things. But I think it would be great if there was part of training that was devoted to, like you were saying, the practice management side.
1: Well, and again, I think that's what I find so fascinating about your group. Um, You've created a model that recognizes that there's a lack of training in aspects of practice administration that are actually highly relevant to private practice physicians. And you've created a way to really ensure that all of your partners are highly aware of your business structure. I just applaud you. I think it's a really unique way to approach a lot of challenges that we're facing.
0: Right, because theoretically, we all receive the same clinical training, right? We all learn how to scope and we all learn how to see patients and we all passed our board exams. But what makes it different from academic GI or being a GI fellow is that now you're running your own business and there's so much that goes into it. And you you either are forced to learn it or you sit in the background and, and watch somebody else do it for you. And like you said, we force we force our junior associates and our and our junior partners to learn the model so that they are actively involved.
1: When I think about trends in gastroenterology, I think one of the most worrisome trends that I see are uh, people going into employed positions um, and really sacrificing their independence. Uh, I think it's an easy route to take when you haven't had training or mentorship in running a practice, but ultimately I, I think it's a disservice to gastroenterology in general.
0: That's a great great point. No, I love that point because it is so much easier to join a hospital and have somebody write you a paycheck every month and take care of all of the details and all the all the fine print. It's much easier. But at the same time, what you give up is substantial. And 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 like you asked at the beginning, why did I go into private practice? Well, it's really being able to control my life. And you, you give that up when, when someone else is your boss instead of you being the boss.
1: I thoroughly agree. As a, as a fellow control freak, I understand. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit www gastrobroadcast.com
1: Produced by Steadfast Collaborative.